Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. Good morning, guys. How's everyone doing? I, uh, I love this time of year. I, when I'm home, I want to be comfortable. And when it's hot, I don't have a good reason to put on extra layers. I want to put on extra layers. I want to feel warm. I want to feel cozy. And uh, I don't know. That's just kind of, that's really important to me. Um, I, uh, just so you guys uh, know who I am, someone asked me, okay, do you work here? And th the answer is yes, I do. Um, starting this semester, I've been working with the Office of Spiritual Life with the other campus ministers, Brian, Renee, Matt, and just kind of ministering in a context here at Sanford that I'm pretty familiar with. Years ago, I actually came to Sanford. That's what brought me first to Birmingham, and so I've sat in your seats. I've, uh, I, you know, been in where you guys live, whether you're living on campus or off campus, and now I thought I was done with Sanford, and after I graduated, um, the Lord led me to come back to Sanford, and so now I'm a student at Beeson across the way, um, so, uh, I, which is great because Beeson's a different experience, but then I also love Sanford, and I get to kind of relate. I know Sanford, I know what's going on here, and it's still, everything is the same, and then it's different. I think it's just really neat how just the life just continues on, and I love meeting more and more of you, and just seeing just what God has called you to, and what you're kind of pursuing by coming to Sanford. And uh, so that's been, that's a little bit about me, so you know who I'm, wh where I'm coming from. Um, and I'm just really excited to talk to you today about Proverbs. Uh, I, I keep messing something up, I don't know what's going on, but we'll figure it out. Um, and I have a confession to make to you, at least just briefly, because you know, I found out we were doing a series on Proverbs, and Proverbs is not one of my favorite books. I don't know how many of you, you guys feel that way. It, um, I struggle with it. I struggle with it because sometimes I read, uh, you know, it's 31 chapters. I read the Proverbs, and I don't know what to do with it. it uh, sometimes it feels like it's repeating itself, and I kind of get lost in this sort of, just this con sort of continual repeating of what's going on in the Proverbs. And I think it was kind of funny because for a long time I was roommates with a guy who feels very differently. Proverbs is his favorite book. And I, I texted him today and I said, you know, we were, we were roommates all that time. I never asked you, why did you like the Proverbs? And he said, well, it's like, it's like you're sitting down with an older person. You're sitting down with them and they're sharing with you all their life experiences. And he tells him that there's just so much comfort and this, the simplicity of that. You know, that, that someone could just sit down and share with you everything they've learned. Now, Proverbs, you know, it, it obviously was written a long time ago. And when I look at different books in the Bible, what I really am looking for is I want some narrative. Give me a narrative. Or give me the beginning and end of a letter. Give me the sort of main points, the main moments, and I'm just going to break it down and figure it out. Because ultimately, I want a good story. And when I come to Proverbs, I don't necessarily find that. I have 31 chapters that seem to repeat over and over again that wisdom is important. But I'm not quite sure like, what I'm supposed to do with that wisdom, how I'm supposed to seek the wisdom. Um, and if you're anything like me, the pursuit of wisdom 
can seem endless. We're, we're, we're falling apart here. Um, the pursuit of wisdom can seem endless. Um, you know, and a lot of times what I do to help me, especially, so I've already confessed to you, I struggle with the Proverbs. You know it. It's out. I struggle with it. But something that helps me when I'm working with books that I'm trying to understand, and maybe it's confusing, or maybe I just feel like I totally get it and I'm not really reading to learn and understand, is I'll look for an essential verse. I'll look for a verse that kind of gets at the essence of what the whole book is about. Like, what is this book really talking about? And I think in the Proverbs, you find it really early. Um, it's in the first chapter, and I'm sure you guys have heard it. I'm just going to read it real briefly. It's in Proverbs 1-7, and it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I feel like we've all heard this before. This is the beginning, you know. If, if we can figure out that right way, that right fear, I guess, you know, to, to relate to God, then, then we're on track. Like that marks, okay, I'm on my way to learning. I'm on my way to the knowledge that God has for me. But can any of you guys, maybe you're looking at it right now, but can any of you guys name the second half of that verse that we don't always list off? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So you get this contrast that's happening. The fools don't want to listen and they don't want to learn. Whereas that's what the wise or the people seeking wisdom are called to. To listen and to learn. And with chapter 1-7, it's talking about how we're supposed to do that in a right relationship with God. Which is characterized by submission and reverence. And we all know what a fool looks like to a certain extent. Um, but Proverbs covers it extensively. <laughs> And the proverb that I'm going to be looking at a little bit later is in a section that is basically highlighting, here's wisdom, here's foolishness. Because we find that that fear of the Lord mentality gives us the foundation for understanding all the substance of God's wisdom. That he's the source of all wisdom. And Proverbs is the structure for us to understand, okay, this is God's wisdom. Okay, I'm on board. And it talks a lot about pursuing two different paths. Lots of different books in scripture will pick this theme up. Um, so you have the path of the wise person and the path of the fool. And sometimes it's righteousness, sometimes it's wickedness. But we're all kind of in a journey of life. Like that's the metaphor that's picked up through scripture. We're all in a journey of life. And we have different paths that we're on. And we're seeking understanding for how we can live our lives in worship of God, being faithful to him. Wisdom really impacts every decision we make. It impacts the biggest thing you're considering doing this entire year. And even the smallest conversation you might have with someone over lunch. And wisdom overflows into all of our relationships. So it overflows into the way you relate to your family, the way you relate to your friends, or even just complete strangers. It impacts the way we live. I don't know if you've experienced this yet in life, 
but you kind of get a little bit beyond college and you start exploring your, your own calling and where you're going to commit your life to. And you'll find that a lot of obstacles get thrown your way. A lot of obstacles where there isn't necessarily a chapter or verse that you can just go to, you're going to find an easy answer. And it's in those situations that we really need wisdom. We really need an understanding of how to relate to God and people and to overcome those obstacles. One instance I really experienced this was when I got married over a year and a half ago. You know, you, I expect that some of you will experience this. Um, and it's when you start to realize that God has placed you with a person that you want to commit your whole life to and to be with, and that you're actually ready to commit to that, and you're, you're, you're ready to propose, and you're ready to get married, all, all the things. Um, when you're ready for, when you see that, you start to realize how completely inadequate you are. Completely. I, I, I am still very much a newlywed, and I learn daily um, that I am not perfect, that I don't know how to do everything right or well. Um, and even just preparing, thinking about just the weight of responsibility, I'm going to need to, how am I going to love my wife? How am I going to serve her this way? I start feeling like, I don't know how to do any of this. And it's at that point that I start having conversations with people that have been married for a long time. It's at that point I start observing and seeing, listening and learning. Okay, well, yeah, maybe there are ways to do this. Like obstacles are going to be thrown our way, and we're not going to necessarily feel adequate to overcome and deal with the obstacles. And I guess what we're going to flesh out is how we really can't do it without relationship with God. Like that main essential verse, we can't do it without God. That relationship is the means to overcome so many things. I mentioned the fool. So we have the wise person and then the fool. And I don't know, what is, what, think about what a fool is. I was going to list off at least a few things that Proverbs touches on. Um, and what do fools do? Fools run their mouths, right? Rather than just saying what needs to be said. They're dishonest. Rather than actually saying what's truthful. They do the wrong thing and take it as a joke, rather than always taking the consequences of life seriously. A fool is proud of his wrong actions, rather than being convicted by them. A fool is reckless and careless, rather than planning ahead and living considerately of others. Fools repeatedly make the same mistakes over and over again. They never learn, rather than learning, rather than listening. That's the fool. And then you think of the wise person. Now, wisdom is the straight path that God has set before us. It's skillful learning and discerned action. It is the blessing of promise, the fruit of faithfulness, and giving us a view of eternal life with all knowledge and insight. It's a standard that's set so high for us, and it seems like it has such great benefits. But then when I just come up to it, I just think, I don't know what to do. I was even coming this morning, and I spilled water all over myself, and I just feel, I, I can't do this. I don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know if you've ever had any mornings like that. Because when I look at the wise person, and I look at the fool, I think I'm the fool. Like, who among us really, really, really feels like they're wise? Like, you're not, yeah, I, I, I see the wise person, that's me. 
Like I find myself not just clumsily doing things, but actually living in a way that's self-serving. That's, you know, I am the, I'm the person that is only looking for myself. And I try to get the things I want without honoring what God has asked me to do. So in a little bit, we're going to look at a proverb and kind of break down, okay, well, how do we read this proverb? How do we read this proverb, can't even say it, actually seeking the wisdom of God? Like actually desiring, Lord, how do I live my life? And I wanted to, before I do, I wanted to mention two misconceptions I think we sometimes bring to our reading of the Proverbs. Two misconceptions that really kind of get in the way of us understanding what it's saying. And the first is that sometimes we don't really think the Proverbs are talking about us. Or they're not, they don't have anything to do with us. You know, you could be like me when I started off talking about it. It's easy to get lost in the vagueness You know, it's kind of repetitive. It's going over and over again. What is to be learned from this proverb? But at the core level, they deal with the fundamental issues of human life and emotion. They talk about anger. They talk about jealousy. They talk about laziness and dishonesty. And they talk about pride. And I can relate to all of those. They are all things that I struggle with and I'm struggling to figure out how do I handle these desires and emotions that undergird my life? What do I do with them? So that's the first one, that we don't always think they're talking about us, and I'd say they do. And the second is we don't always read the Proverbs in their context. Like the Proverbs came out of the Old Testament, right? You know, the, the people of Israel and their worship and their community And a big deal for the people of Israel was the law, that law of life. It guided and determined how they lived their life. It's a pretty big deal. Um, And so it's difficult to understand the Proverbs and what they're saying if we don't keep that in mind. So if you want to turn to 21, I know we'll have different translations, but what I want to do is go through the first eight verses. First eight verses, and what I want to do is take each verse, verse by verse, and take a second to talk about, okay, what is this verse saying? How is this helpful to me? In the first verse, we have, I'll I'll just go ahead and read it. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Now, this would be a good example of a verse that I could easily look at and say, I don't know what to do with that. I'm not a king. I, I'm not a stream of water or anything like that. What is it saying? Like a king had so much power in, in, the, in, in ancient Israel. They had so much power, so much means. And God is, if that king is in the hand of the Lord, he's in the presence of the Lord, he's in that fear of the Lord mentality, he's in relationship with God. And if a king is in that relationship, God is making his actions become like a stream of water. What's a stream of water? It's a source of life. It's a source of blessing. Not only is God blessing the king who's fully in the relationship with God, but from that king, he blesses others. And it's not just for kings. But it's for us. 
Just think of how God has gifted you. Think of how God has blessed you. And when you find yourself living in life with God, do you not see yourself better able to bless others? The next verse. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. So just looking at that first half, I look at every way of a man is right, and I think every person probably feels this way, because I certainly do. Criticize me for doing those things. I could even make up good excuses, good reasons for why I would do those things. But then look what it says. It says that the Lord weighs the heart. He's actually weighing it. He's actually measuring it. He's actually evaluating what's going on. And so all of a sudden, he's not looking at what we say or what we actually do, but he's looking deeper. He's looking deeper into the motives and intentions of our heart. And I would just encourage you to do that as well. As you look through your life, evaluate deeply, okay, why am I doing the things that I am doing? Are they motivated by love and compassion that God has given me? Or am I really seeking to serve myself? Or doing what's easiest? Let's look at the next verse. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Sorry. All right, so we get this idea of doing righteousness and justice. But it's kind of confusing. It says, is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. So what's wrong with sacrifice? You know, it gets into a larger conversation about how sacrifices were so important in the Old Testament. They were so much a part of worship. But there's a warning here for against the ritual. So many different times what would happen is that people would journey to the temple and then they would make sacrifices. They would say all the right things. They'd make all the right confessions. And then they would go home and call it a day. And it wouldn't have any impact on their life. It wouldn't change the way they live. They, they would, could go back, you know, serving to whatever they wanted to do. As opposed to feeding the hungry around them. As opposed to doing the justice God had called them to. As opposed to representing God's righteousness to others around them. It was disconnected. The way they were living their life and their worship was completely disconnected. And I think that goes with what the last verse was saying, that God evaluates, he weighs our hearts. Is that we should also do the same for us in thinking about, oh wow, how connected are my convictions, are my faith with the way I live? And could people see my convictions, my faith and belief by how I live? The next verse, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. Haughty, as in high eyes, proud eyes, it gets at this idea of, well, wow, like people, these people are proud. They don't have any sort of checks and balances. They don't listen or learn. They don't need to. They, they're proud in their heart. And then you get this analogy of the lamp of the wicked and it's sin. And this is very similar to what it talks about, the spirit of a man. Um, the spirit of a man has the, has the lamp of the Lord. 
And so you think about it. It's, it's an analogy, right? So you think about this metaphor of a lamp in a dark room. And you give the person who is wicked in their heart. And they are, what's only being illuminated is the things that they want to serve themselves with. The things that only benefit them. And that's all they see. That's the way of life they are living. And then you have the lamp of the Lord, which is the spirit and presence of God with a person. And they are seeing and their eyes are being open to what God has for them. It's being open to this is, this is the way to live life. This is what God has for me. The next verse. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Now, I think this gets at the point of hard work and good planning. You know, to plan ahead, to think and evaluate, okay, this is how I should live my life. This, there are things to work for. But then you get the next clause that says, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. poverty. Sometimes we rush to find the quick answer. To try and find the quickest way to get the job done without actually thinking about how to do it well. And you have to start thinking, okay, well, why are you even doing the work to begin with? It says in Ecclesiastes, which is, you know, like another wisdom book to throw on top of with Proverbs. Better is a handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and a striving after wind. Better is a handful of quietness. Better is it to sit and to think. And know who God is than to be rushing around in toil, not even knowing what you're striving for. Sometimes it helps to think and ask yourself, what am I striving for in life? What am I seeking? The next verse. Getting of the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. So the getting of treasures, the building up of riches, things that you can have for yourself, that you can hold, that you want. You can get them by deceiving others, by lying. It literally equates that with death. The fleeting vapor and a snare of death. That all these things will fade away. That's ultimately where you're going if you have all your life placed in these things that won't last. The next verse. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away because they refuse to do what is just. So these wicked have continued to act on their own desires, right? And you get this imagery of them literally being swept away by their consequences. Swept away by their actions. Sorry. It gets at this idea that people can't fully escape the consequences of their actions, that they will face it even if there is a lot of time in between them actually facing it. And these people that are being swept away, they refuse to do the right thing. Last verse. We're almost through to kind of make this point. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. So you get this contrast Okay, here's the crooked person, and here's the pure person. And what characterizes the pure person? Like the state, the inside state of the person who's pure is acting on their actions. And that's what makes their way, their conduct upright. 
That's what makes their way pure. Now, I've admitted that there's times I've felt pretty foolish in life, and it's true. Like, I can look at these eight verses and say, okay, well, you know, I really should weigh my own heart. I really should evaluate how I'm living better. Man, I really need to try and be in the presence of the Lord in that right relationship because I want to be a blessing to other people. I don't want to be proud. I don't want to just build up things for myself. And I don't want to be swept away by how negative my actions can be sometimes. It shows for me that I actually really do act like a fool a lot of times. And I'll speak more specifically just with people I know, like my close friends, people I love dearly, they're fools too. We act foolishly because we're human. We make mistakes. But there is, an, uh, there is underlying all this, this brokenness, that we are completely separated from that relationship with God and not really able to live a life of wisdom without him. And so when I see the world, I really get this picture of just the world raging and storming, and it's a rush of fools. Everyone is seeking for the best thing they could possibly get for themselves, and they're impatient for it. We forget to plan, we forget to pray, we forget to discern how God's plan is working for us, and then we also forget to make a note of the fact that God's plan is not necessarily the plan we have for our own lives, and sometimes we have to submit to God. You know, the wisdom of God is not necessarily the same as the wisdom of the world. Like, really, if you are pursuing the wisdom of the world, there's going to be a lot of times that you look pretty foolish. But that doesn't change what wisdom is. The paradigm shift, and a, and a place where I think it's done really well, is actually in 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to turn there right now. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth, and the main issue is that they're actually being you know, a church, they're trying to stand for these values, and they're being called foolish. They're being called foolish because, oh, they're actually serving the weak among them. They're being called foolish because, oh, they believe in a God that was, was resurrected. And Paul is writing to encourage them that even though the world calls this foolishness, it's true wisdom. True wisdom it's going to look like foolishness. I'm going to read a section of it, and it'll make sense, I promise. He reminds them of their calling, what they've been called to, and what I'd say we've also been called to. Reading from verse 26. For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God shows what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. What is considered wisdom in the world really is falling short. It's fading away. It's leading to death a lot of times. Instead, embracing what Christ has called us to, it continues. That God shows what is low and despised in the world even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. 
And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became the wisdom of God. Christ embodies what the Proverbs is getting out fully. This full wisdom and revelation of God. And he extends it to us. And we can't really learn and break down the 31 chapters of Proverbs without taking time to sit with them and to get to know him, to allow them to be changed, and to allow them to change us. You know, he talks about like, the, Christ became the wisdom of God. And then it talks about this process of faith and life through the next three words, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That we are made right before God even though we're not really right. In sanctification, we're made more and more like Christ. And in redemption, all of our guilt, the many different things that we've done wrong, is washed away, it's redeemed. Like that is what happens in faith when we're in relationship with God. And I think one of the main points um, is this final verse here. Is that so that as it is written... Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That's a big deal. I know a lot of people that live smartly. You know, by the worldly standards, there's a lot wiser. They handle their money better. They know how to get better deals and kind of get the most out of circumstances. But then at the end of the day, they're basically left saying, look at me. I did all that. That's me. I figured it out. And that's so counterintuitive to the wisdom of God, which is fully founded in who God is. And it is the power of God for us through relationship with him that we could boast on nothing else but what he's done in us and what he's doing. So I have three final points for us just to kind of summarize this look at Proverbs 21 and the wisdom we're seeking. And the first point is that we are fools before the wisdom of God. And what I mean by that is none of us start at a place of desiring to learn and listen. We're closed off. We don't want to be told we're wrong. And then God redeems us, but still decides to keep us foolish. Like he redeems all that sort of broken thinking, that broken way of going through life. And calls us towards introspection and evaluation. And orients our life, everything, towards Christ. That's the kind of foolishness we should aspire to. To serve the needy and help those who are lost. And then the final point is God uses fools. Like God uses all of us. That's why he would use me and that's why he wants to use you. Like this way of life that God's calling you to is the way in which he wants to reveal himself to people around you. And so I just encourage you to be open to that, to think about how you're living your life and connect that with your worship. Um, please pray with me. Lord, I thank you. Um, Lord, that you don't require us to be perfect in the least sense. But Lord, we do many foolish things and we really walk in a life that sometimes is just we're seeking ourselves um, seeking the things that we want for ourselves and not what you have called us to I pray you would help um, you would help us 
to learn more deeply and to listen more openly for what you have to share with us through the book of Proverbs and through your word. And may we receive it gladly and take it deep within our hearts. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.